Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. And you have tuned in to episode number 212 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Recorded in very late February 2018, so thank you everybody for showing up tonight. And uh, for all those who are in the chat room listening live with us, I'm Russ, K5TUX. Cheryl is over there. Hello, everyone. And somewhere where it's actually almost warm enough to have his jacket unzipped is Bill, NE4RD. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's warming up for all of us. It's really nice. Yeah. So we're, at, le- at least for now. Yeah, at least for yeah. now. Of course, it, it'll go back <laughs> Next down. week, who right. knows? Yeah. So we are going to talk about a single topic tonight we're going to do a deep dive and the deep dive is into slow scan television now we've touched on slow scan a little bit over the past 10 years but we're going to take a a good hard look at it and slow scan television is a mode that's used mainly but not entirely by amateur radio operators to transmit pictures basically static images across the airwaves uh, the transmissions use a maximum bandwidth of roughly 3 kilohertz, so they're pretty narrow-banded. But because of the amount of data in a picture transmission, that narrow-bandedness causes slowness, which is why it's called slow-scan TV. Uh, it was invented back in the late 1950s by Copthorne McDonald, and I'm pretty sure he's the only person to ever have that name. Uh, it was first tested on the 11-meter band before the 11-meter band was the Citizen's Band. Uh, Early uses included transmission from the dark side of the moon and orbital space vehicles uh, during early extraterrestrial exploration. And uh, applications for slow-scan TV include things like CQSS TV for the iPhone, which I believe is receive-only, Robot 36 for Android, also receive-only, MMSS TV for Windows, and you can also use things like HRD if you're inclined to do things like that. Uh, And there are a few other windows applications out there and the one that we're going to talk about qss tv which is a linux native application yeah i think that stands for quality ss tv yeah there you go because it's in linux absolutely <laughs> uh it was written by johan everberg of belgium on 4 qz uh with the help of a whole bunch of other individuals if you look at the credits page for qss tv it's very 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 long so lots of people had a hand in it uh, the program began in its earliest infancy in around 1999-2000 time frame. And the current version is 9.2.6, uh, which was released back in November of 2017. QSS TV is licensed under the GPL2 Plus license, so I guess it's actually GPL V3 currently. And uh, the current Debian stable slash testing version of QSS TV is 9.2.4. And if you want the latest version, 9.2.6, you actually have to get the source code, find the deb, 
or you can apt pin a SID repo, an unstable repo in Debian, and you can install 926 that way because it is in the unstable repo, which is what I had to do because for me, 9.2.4 was horribly broken. <laughs> so, well, that doesn't give me much faith. I got 924 on my machine. Yeah, 924 had some real problems for me, which I will, you know, go over as we talk a little bit more about QSS TV. Already. So, um, so you were going to, you haven't really done any SSTV work, but you were going to install the application and at least take a look at it. So, did you get that far? I did. I did get it installed and I, I started on the configuration, um, but I did not get it, uh, quite uh, going with the rig yet so i'm still in my infancy here all right and what rig are you going to be using it with just out of curiosity uh right now everything's hooked up to the uh, ic703 with a signal link all right so that should be a fairly stable configuration uh i thought mine was going to be a pretty stable configuration i'm using a rig blaster uh plus with my ts570d however it did not work it did not work well at all um <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So anyway, let's just talk a little bit about QSS TV and its configuration. Once you get it installed, the configuration is pretty simple. The The number of drop-down menu options for QSS TV is very, very small. Um, you basically have, in the main drop-down, you have configure and quit. <laughs> so, um, for useful, relevant things anyway. And then uh, there are a few other options. And I'm not actually looking at a live copy of it. I'm just looking at the help doc here. So I'm going to try and remember as much as I can. But the first thing you should do when you start it up is go to the configuration menu because that will initialize a lot of things. Uh, the first tab under the configuration is the operator configuration, and this is all stuff you've seen before. You put in your first name, last name, call sign, your you know regular QTH, like Mount Vernon, Missouri for me, and your grid square. Uh, so all straight, pretty straightforward stuff on that first tab. Then you go to the directories tab, and you can set these to whatever you want, but the defaults are probably okay. It defaults to your home directory, it creates a subdirectory called QSSTV, and then a few subdirectories underneath that uh, for storing image files, up uh, TX image files, RX image files, and template files, uh, among a couple of other things. Uh, you can also record the audio of a QSS TV transmission so you can play it back and re-decode the images if you so choose at a later time. Uh, this is something you can do in other digital mode applications too. You can record the audio and recreate um, like a PSK31 transmission if you want. And you can also pre-record a transmission and just send the audio from the file you know, rather than generating it if you want to do that as well. I've never had actually a reason to do that. Have you ever had a reason to do that? Not me, no. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's a reason somebody's, you know, done it, but I can't think of one. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so set up your directories. I mean, the defaults are probably fine. Uh, the group, yeah, I would think the audio stuff is probably, like, nowadays is more akin to uh, people recording the entire spectrum from their SDRs, but this would be a little different. This is just grabbing the audio channel. Right. Yeah, and I'm not sure how broad-banded the record actually is if you're getting it off the sound card. I suppose it's just as wide as the passband on your radio, so... Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right, so on the GUI tab, when I configured mine, I didn't touch that. That's basically just for colors and for the size of your gallery page. 
because when you're looking at your receive and transmit galleries, it shows you a grid of images, and you can choose the size of that grid if you want to adjust it. I found the defaults just fine. Uh, on the fourth tab, the sound tab, this well, is we where... Should, we should mention one thing. There is a checkbox there for the uh, check if you have a slow CPU, and uh, that yes. should be checked if you're using like a Raspberry Pi that's a little underpowered. So if you're using a Raspberry Pi or a single board computer that is compatible with uh, you know the Debian distribution, yeah, you'll you'll want to check that. Yep, and there's also a checkbox for low screen resolution. So if you happen to have a low screen resolution at this time, which you probably don't, uh, you could also check that. Um, low screen resolution would be like less than 800 by 600, and I don't think anyone's operating that low anymore. So on the sound tab. This one's pretty straightforward as well. You can either use ALSA or you can use Pulse. And uh, on my system, of course, it was Pulse. So you just have to select the correct inbound and outbound sound devices, get those um, you know, configured. And uh, you can also set this to send to a file or receive to a file if you want to do that instead of actually using the live audio. Again, not sure why you do that, but you can. Um, and then there's a thing about the clock frequency. The way slow scan TV works is it actually decodes scan lines and it is, uh, time dependent. So your time on your machine has to be synchronized. So make sure you have NTP running and your clock is correctly synced and also make sure that your CPU goes through the sync cycle. Uh, in the main dropdown, there's a calibrate option. Uh, it sets the default sync rate on your sound card to 48,000 hertz, but you can run the calibrate cycle and it will set it more exactly. It does take a long time. I want to say it takes like 10 to 15 minutes uh, to run the calibrate, but if you want to make sure your sound card is configured perfectly, then you know do that. I didn't, um, and for the most part, the decodes work pretty well. It might be more important for like uh, DRM, uh, which is higher bandwidth and actually has uh, better quality pictures. I have not actually received a DRM picture, though, ever. So <laughs> um, <clears throat> so once you've got your sound card configured, then you move on to cat control. And there's a few options on this. The first one is just straight-up serial control, uh, where you set a pin high to you know toggle your PTT. And uh, just make sure that's set correctly and also make sure that your serial ports are in the dial-out group. I think we've probably hammered that point home a few times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you could also attach it to the Hamlib net. So if you already got rig control D running in the background, you can connect it up directly to that so you don't have to worry about uh, reconfiguring everything. Right. And I believe you can also connect directly to FL Digi. So if you have FL Digi running, you can use FL Digi's connection to your rig through QSSTV as well. Uh, if you don't want to do that, there's also HamLive control directly in QSS TV. Just set your options properly. This is one of the things that did not work for me in 924. Um, I had my rig configured exactly the same way as I had it configured in FL Digi, and it did not work at all. Really, really broken. Hmm. Uh, push to talk did not work at all, and it gave me a whole bunch of errors about setting the frequency, setting the mode, setting the PTT command. And basically, just didn't work at all. And when I upgraded to 9.2.6, all of that was fixed. Worked perfectly. <laughs> so, uh, make the, note of that for our distribution, huh? Yeah. Uh, it, I noticed in the change log when it went from 9.2.4 to 9.2.6, they didn't bother listing everything. They just said, go 
read the change log. So apparently it's pretty significant. <laughs> um, but I know upgrading to, to 9.2.6 fixed everything for me. So, oh, I see activity in the chat room. What's the chat room saying? You might want to save it to a file to process it later when you get in, uh, the image from a satellite. Okay, that's interesting. So this has to do with recording the audio and then decoding it later. Uh, and then he says, I know people have copied IIS images this way. Uh, I assume yeah. it means ISS images. Yes. Yeah, yeah. the uh, International <laughs> Space Station. They, yeah. they occasionally run slow scan TV on VHF from up there. Right. All right, cool. So there's So there's a use case. Uh, so anyway, configure your cat control, you know, for your particular situation. And uh, I would recommend using 926 if you can, because at least for me, it worked a whole lot better. Yeah, it looks like the uh, rig control stuff was, uh, they said added capabilities test. Whatever that means, means that maybe they actually tested it out in 925. And they had a bunch of other random, random fixes, but nothing related to uh, rig control in 926. Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure where the change actually came, but I just know one worked and one didn't. So uh, then you can set your I/O ports. This I didn't actually touch because I'm not even sure where that option was. <laughs> um, it must be somewhere as a sub. Let's see. No, that's for doing XML RPC when you're oh right between right. Uh, FL Digi, so that the uh, display is actually in uh, FL Digi. Right, gotcha. And I believe CQR log has improved its uh, XML RPC uh, interface as well to work better with FL Digi, which means it will most likely work as well with uh, with uh, slow scan TV here, QSS TV. All right, very good. So there's a couple of other uh, tabs that I didn't really touch. There's the CW tab, which allows you to actually transmit CW um, IDs with your slow scan TV signals if you want to do that. Uh, you basically just set the WPM, the hertz tone of the CW signal, and put your call sign in there so it can properly send CW IDs. Uh, you can set up a repeater. You can set your, your box up to repeat signals. Uh, so if you get an image, you can send it back out. Uh, I did not touch that, but the configuration for it is pretty straightforward. There's also an FTP tab so that when you receive images, instead of saving them to your local machine you can just upload them directly to an FTP site uh, for either remote storage or just so you can view them online instead of uh, on your local machine. Uh, the setup for that is pretty straightforward as well. You just have to put in a host, username, password, and directories uh, so that it will save in the appropriate locations. has a little convenient test button to make sure your FTP server is actually working. Uh, there's the waterfall tab which is specific to DRM. And since I have not used DRM, I did not use this, but apparently it's for water, uh, putting uh, images in the waterfall, kind of like uh, TXIDs and FL Digi. Is that what I'm getting from this? I don't, I didn't actually look at this. So yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to look at the transmit window while you're moving on. Yeah, I, I didn't look at a couple of these because they they didn't weren't relevant to my situation, but I have a feeling um, the, the documentation that I'm reading from here, by the way, is uh, excellent. A link to it will be in the show notes. This uh, is well-documented software, so anything we're not really covering here, you can uh, find without any trouble. Uh, then there's uh, DRM profiles, again, since I'm not dealing with DRM. Um, I guess we might have to do like a sub you know topic on a later episode about or DRM specifically. It's just something I haven't really used. Um, DRM, so that, by the way. That uses QAM to send out the signal, right? That's a little different. Yeah, see, I don't know. 
I got, I'm going to have to do a little more investigation. DRM, by the way, is Digital Radio Mondial, not uh, Digital Rights Management. So, <laughs> um, I think we've touched on DRM before, too. The, this kind of DRM, not the other kind. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this sends basically a digital mode, so it's uh, it'll send it in uh, QAM, <laughs> Quadrature Amplitude Modulation. Uh, I guess QPSK would be a <laughs> the, the, the actual signaling. And it... Uh, It'll either send four, sixteen, or sixty-four. So actually, that's pretty high bandwidth. That uh, Qom sixteen and Qom sixty-four. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, Qom four. Apparently, the bandwidth is defaulted to two point two kilohertz. So yeah, still pretty narrow. But for for a video signal, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, and then the last tab is the frequencies tab, and this is where you can set um, pre-configured frequencies. Like if you can't remember where the SSTV calling frequencies are. You can enter them here. Uh, you enter the, the actual frequency in megahertz, the name of the mode, whether it's DRM or SSTV, and then you put the modulation of the rig in as well, whether it's going to be upper sideband or lower sideband, and then you'll have a drop down on the main window that will instantly switch back and forth between different frequencies and modes um, if you like to frequency hop. And... Then there's also a ham live data command, which you can actually enter a hexadecimal reference to a ham live command that goes straight to your rig and is interpreted through ham live. If, for example, in the case they give here, a certain ICOM rig doesn't switch modes properly when you change frequencies. So you can force it to do that if you need to. Uh, not, not a problem for me, at least. <laughs> so you said you were using a... The 703, it actually doesn't have a data mode, so it, uh, it'll it just go USB, LSB. Right, so you don't have but to like worry the about FD, it. But like the FD450, you do have to send it into a, into a data data like packet mode, basically, for upper sideband, and it's like a, has a data upside or data low, lower bit sideband. And then it also has a RIDI setting for just straight RIDI if you're FSK in it. So right. yeah, that, one, that one's a little bit more complicated. We'd, we'd probably have to send a little command out if I didn't already have it set that way. Yep, very good. So just be aware of that. If you need to force your rig into a certain mode, then there's a way to do it through uh, direct access to HamLive. And apparently you can send that command in the reference, like the English way, whatever the name of the command is in HamLive, or you can send it as hexadecimal code, whichever makes more sense to you. Um, At the bottom of the main window, there is the status bar. And the first thing that's on the status bar is the frequency. It shows you the frequency counter if you have rig control set up properly. Uh, the next is the drop-down for your pre-configured frequencies that you defined in the configuration. Uh, the next is the waterfall text, which you can predefine in your configuration as well. That's for sending uh, the IDs, the TX IDs in the waterfall. Uh, there's also BSR, uh, which is for apparently requesting tr- retransmission of an incomplete image. This is something I have not touched on, but that's what the documentation says. Let's see. In the chat room, V2HS says, how to listen to DRM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, he, he missed the first part of the show. The DRM is the, uh, oh, is right. the software and it's doing the actual listening. You just turn it to the frequency. Like in this case, uh, they re- recommend, what, 230-something? 14, are you talking about 20 meters? Yeah, 20 meters. Yeah, 14.230 and 14.233 are apparently both uh, valid frequencies for... Yeah, they do DRM on 233 and then on on 40 meters at 70.58 
for DRM. Right. And normally uh, 7171 for SSTV, or apparently in the... Well, I guess the 7058 would be for Region 2 or whatever, not us. Right, that's the European region. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we'd have to be on the have to be on the sideband side. Thought we could decode that on Linux DRM. Oh yeah, we're we're again we're talking about digital radio mondial, not digital rights management. So <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming I'm, re- I'm referencing that question correctly. I'm not <laughs> not entirely sure, but yeah, I, I think he's a little off uh, off uh, off, off the topic. topic. Yeah. He's catching uh, <laughs> out okay. of context, right? <laughs> Yeah, See, we do this. We do this live with people actually talking to us. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, uh, yeah, we uh, we get railroaded a little bit here. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's get back on the. We're on the status bar. You're talking about. Uh, yeah, I think I went through all of the stuff that's on the status bar. Well, no, I guess there was a couple of other things. There was also the uh, CWID, which allows you to send your pre-configured Morse code identifier. So that that's pretty much it. And then there's the PTT indicator in the bottom right. So when you're in TX mode, it turns red. When you're in RX mode, it's green. Pretty straightforward stuff there. Uh, then uh, you also have a couple of tabs underneath your main menu dropdowns. You have the receive tab, the transmit tab, and the gallery tab. Uh, in the gallery, you have a basic image viewer. And that will have a list of all of your received images, a list of your transmitted images, and your stock images and your templates. And we'll get into images and templates and stuff in a second here. Uh, you can basically, you see uh, a grid of all of those, and then you can double-click on them to actually see the full-sized images. So under your Receive tab, this is where your inbound uh, images will be shown. What you have is a, a basic interface that has an oscilloscope-type output and a waterfall, and then a main viewing window, And then there's a few options in the middle and a couple of buttons that you'll find pretty useful. Uh, The first of the buttons is the play button, and the play button starts the receiver. So until you do that, even if your radio is receiving audio, the application is not. So as soon as you press play, it will start receiving. Your oscilloscope will start, start oscilloscoping, and your waterfall will start waterfalling. And if there are any signals to be had, then you will see those as well and they will be decoded in the the main window. There are a couple of, like, VU meters, the bottom of which shows your raw audio input, and it should be basically in the middle, which is green. If it's too low or too high, you'll get an indication of that. But basically, your receive audio should be in the middle of that, that VU. And then the top one will be basically empty until you start receiving an actual SSTV signal. And when you do that, then it will jump up and show you the quality of your signal. And in the middle, there's a thing that says no sync, and that is the state that SSTV or QSSTV is in when it's not receiving a signal. When it is receiving a signal, it will show sync and it will show useful information. Uh, Also in this window, there are a couple of things, uh, a couple of checkboxes. There's use VIS, which I think is like the visual indicator system or something like that, um, which I have never checked and I'm not even sure what it does, but I have a feeling it has something to do with like the TXID stuff. So I could, I could actually like go down and look at the information and see if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why bother? Yeah. <laughs> I was actually plugging my rig in and stuff like that over here so I could get a waterfall to see what the screen looks like. 
Yeah, so that's basically it. It's almost like a PL tone for SSTV. Basically, you will not start decoding with that box checked unless a VIS code is received from the transmitting station. So I just leave that off because basically it will start decoding once a signal is received anyway. Uh, there's also auto slant, which I always check because if your time sync or your CPU sync is slightly off, this will auto-correct and make your inbound image actually look proper. And it's very good at uh, de-slanting images. Uh, and then there's also autosave, which once you have completed a full picture received, it will just automatically save it to your local store or upload it via FTP if you have that checked. Uh, there's a few other things you can tweak on there, like uh, the signal mode, which is normal, or DX. Presumably the DX is to try and pull out weaker signals. Uh, manual just seemed to work fine for me. Uh, the auto mode, um, you can choose. There are a billion different, uh, that's a slight exaggeration, but there are many, many different types of modes for SSTV. And on the decode side, you can just select auto. And then whatever one you're receiving, it will figure it out and decode for you. Or you can only decode certain ones if you want to do that. And then there's also an option to save images after a certain amount of completeness. The default is 25%. You can set that to something higher if you want to only save images that are more than, say, 50% complete. And there's also a default image format. So you can autosave into JPEG or bitmap or GIF or whatever. I think the default is PNG. Let's see. Is there anything else we need to go over on that? Oh, and then there's the log QSO. So this actually has its own logger. So if you actually complete a QSO in SSTV, you can put the call sign in and it will log it and log all the relevant frequency and time information as well. So, I mean, like, like any other amateur radio mode, a lot of this stuff is kind of the same, except instead of transmitting audio, you're transmitting video. But, you know, the, the idea behind it is the same. The biggest part about QSSTV and this is something that I talked with Bill about yesterday and a little bit today, is figuring out what exactly you're going to send. Um, because when you're talking, you're just talking. You can make up whatever you want to say. When you're sending pictures, you have to have pictures. It doesn't make pictures for you. So you have to make your own pictures. Well, uh, on the transmit tab, if you uh, look, there's a play button and a stop button. Those do what you would think they do. They start a transmission, they stop a transmission, uh, what you're transmitting will actually show in the, the main window, um, but you have to have something in the main window. So the fifth button over is actually a little paintbrush and palette because the folks who write QSSTV included an image editor. So you can make your own images. It's a very rudimentary editor. Um, you can draw shapes like circles and ovals and squares and rectangles, uh, you can insert text, and you can do simple gradients, and then you can also include background images. Uh, so you can load a background image and then put text over it and, you know, make a simple image, and it defaults to the a reasonable size for a QSSTV or a SSTV uh, image file. You can have images in a variety of sizes, there are some standard sizes, and then you can also program it to, when you receive something in a different size, either stretch or crop or, or whatever, 
uh, appropriately. Uh, then you can save that just as an image file, a static image file, or you can save it as a template. And if you save it as a template, then the transmit window gives you a couple of extra options. It gives you a couple of lines you can fill in, like a two-call sign, an operator name, um, an RSV field, and an X, Y, and Z uh, text box. And what will happen is, if you fill any of those in before you actually do the transmit, then it will take your base template image and overlay it with all of that other information. And you can actually program where that information goes into your image. So if you want to use like the same image and the same background um, with your call sign in the upper left corner and save that as a template and then make it so you can actually insert a QSO into your images, you can do that. You can you know put in the call sign that you're sending to and then in the X field, you can say, you know, hey, Bob, how are you? And then it will overlay that on your template and then send that. That In that way, you can actually change up what you send back and forth, but still have a basic image uh, to send. And I know I've seen some people use QSSTV as a kind of broadcast. It's not really a broadcast, I guess, because you're, uh, but they're not doing a QSO. They're basically just sending images, um, images that they like, I guess, uh, that they want people to see. And you don't actually have to have like a QSO. You can just sit there and decode these random images that come into you um, so you can see what people are sending via slow scan, I guess, if you want to do that. Hmm. But I have actually had a real honest contact with someone using slow scan TV just by having one image that I created. I actually use GIMP to create the image because you can use an external editor if you want. And I would suggest that because... It's a lot easier to use than the built-in one. And then you just load it into QSS TV uh, using the TX uh, window or the TX tab, the transmit tab, because there's a, uh, a folder icon, and that allows you to just upload an image into QSS TV. So why don't you tell us how like a, like a QSO would work, just to give us a feel of like the process. Okay, so in my case, what I did was I just created a basic image um, and I'm not even sure what it was. I think it was just a gradient as a background, and it had my call sign in the upper right or upper left-hand corner, and I put like the Linux and the Hamshack logo on it. And then what I did was I used the template function to put like in the X field, you know, CQ SSTV, and then I would transmit that. So it would transmit my basic template, and then overlaid in text would also be included CQ SSTV, and then someone would send back. Uh, an image on their side where they would fill in like the two field with my call sign and uh, some information like, you know, in the X field, like, you know, hi, this is Bob. And then I would receive their image and it would show, it does kind of like a picture in picture once you actually have a QSO started. So you'll see what they send you. And then in an inset, you'll see what you sent them. And then you can just change what's in the X, Y, and Z fields for each next part of the conversation. So you're basically sending the same image back and forth um, with different text. And you can do it that way. That way was easy for me. But some of these people actually have like a different image for everything they send. Oh, wow. And 
You can do that too if you want. It's not that hard. You just change the template every time you send the next message. Um, but what they send back to you actually has that little inset in it. So they send back to you what they want to say, but it also shows you when you receive it what you sent them last, which is kind of nice. So you kind of know where you are in the contact. And if you look at, well, I mean, you can't do this now because we're, you know, you're listening, but if you're looking at the, the documentation, you can see that sort of inset window and it, it actually makes a lot more sense. Um, but it, it, you don't have to switch back and forth between your transmit and receive windows once you got a QSO going. That's right. You can just stay in the transmit window, uh, uh, which is useful because it would be kind of a pain to keep switching back and forth. Um, but you can, um, there's a checkbox for use template, so you can do that, and it, it, it will actually list all the templates that are available to you. And if you don't use that, it will basically just send text on a black background. Um, so you don't have to even have an image. It will create an image that is a blank background with your text overlaid if you don't have a template, which is kind of boring. But you can do that. <laughs> uh, and again, up at the top, there are the different modes that you can select for your transmit. And I think uh, like Martin 1, 2, and 3 are like the top three. And I think I always use like Martin 1 or whatever because I don't actually know what the differences are. And, uh, and I'm not sure it really makes a difference. But I will say that if you're sending like a 640 by 480 or an 800 by 600 image, it takes a little while. I want to say each frame will take a good minute to a minute and a half to send. So, you know, it's again, it's not a, it's a JT65 versus an FT8. It, it, it takes a little while. <laughs> but it, but the nice thing about it is you're actually getting video instead of audio. So, and when it comes to DRM versus SSTV, they're basically the exact same thing. They just use different bandwidth and different encoding mechanisms, but they work essentially the same way the calling frequencies just tend to be a little different. But, the, I mean, the functionality of it is exactly the same, and the way you use it is also exactly the same. Uh, so you, could, you could just sit here and, like, almost, uh, you know, SWL them, right? Just sit here with the receive window and oh yeah, kind of yeah, just yeah. watch random stuff come in and oh, yeah, just I, record it. That's what I did the first time I started it up. I just went on to the calling frequency, you know, turned on the receiver and just waited for images to show up. And then, of course, everything gets stuffed into your gallery, so you can just browse through the gallery. I mean, you can just leave it on and walk away, and then you can come back an hour later and see all these images that you've got, assuming anyone's actually transmitting stuff. Um, I tried yeah. this for the last you know, hour, hour and a half uh, before the recording, got nothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, uh, SSTV wasn't terribly busy today, but you know, if you find a good, a good pocket of time where people are out there doing SSTV, um, it, it was pretty interesting. So. Yeah, I know. I know. I've heard like people do uh, SSTV nets and stuff like that. So there's got to be a, a level of uh, activity that you can do your your testing and troubleshooting on on uh, at least the 20 meter frequency. I know I've used to hear a lot of lot of activity on that. Yeah, I think 20 meters was the busiest when I was trying it and actually getting success in in contacting people. Um, I don't. I think I had a lot of success on our success on 40. But uh, yeah, I'm watching the uh, waterfall on 40 here. It looks like people are talking in that channel. <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all because I'm sure they're <laughs> because they're all over the place. You know, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. SSTV, who the hell does that, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but so, yeah, that's pretty cool. I found a whole list of uh, frequencies here too for uh, various bands and stuff like that. And there seems to be some established frequencies from you know 70 centimeters all the way down to 160 meters. 
Yep, and it's a good idea. I actually took that list. I don't know if it's the same one you have, but I took a similar list, and I actually just programmed them all into the frequency box in the configuration so I could just switch back and forth to any of those without having to look them up. I'm, I'm not actually sure. You know, they're they're at revision 926 right now, and they started, you know, doing this 17 years ago. So I'm not sure why they just haven't put the call frequencies in there by default, kind of like FLDigi does. That, you know, FLDigi has a, a the little book, yeah, where it has some predefined uh, calling frequencies built in for you. You know, they could just throw in a few. You know, yeah, it looks like you can use this in the digital portions of the band with certain modes. They were showing here on 30 meters. Uh, they have a frequency of 10.132, and they say use the narrow mode for uh, MP73N. So it uh, looks like you can squeeze some uh, signal down there into the dig- digital realm. Oh, that's very cool. I didn't do that. I was basically using it entirely in the voice portion of the band. So. Because you're not really as worried about uh, the the overall bandwidth of the signal at that point. So I wonder, let's see, what's the deal on on, uh, 60 meters? Can you do... Uh, I don't see any established frequencies for that. And uh, I'm not sure. I I would assume that you should be able to do it um, based upon at least the new rules and stuff like that. Uh, But uh, again, we're secondary use on those frequencies. So yeah, I'm not not sure... uh, sitting there beaconing uh, out uh, images is the best use of that uh, <laughs> probably of that not band. yeah <laughs> plus you also why they don't have a recommended frequency for it well and there's also the bandwidth concern um which you can you can narrow the bandwidth down of the transmission to get it inside the channel size of 60 meter but apparently it's not a real big thing yeah all right so again there i mean and there is a built-in editor but honestly i would just use your own editor because the built-in one is just you know it's not horrible, but uh, it's... Well, it sounds like the templating thing allows you to do some freeform stuff so you can have your pre-canned images that you want to use, and then you know you can just edit your text on the fly. Right, yeah, and that's the whole idea behind it, so you're not you know recreating images every time you want to send you know high bill <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. exactly well i'm so, gonna i'm gonna turn this on a mine and kind of just let it suck in some stuff here on 20 meters tomorrow and see if i get anything interesting yeah, and you can always go into the gallery after you just let it sit for a while, and you can see anything that's popped up, and anything that's even partially decoded will show up in there. I've had several indica- you know times where you'll get like a third of an image, and then garbage and stuff like that because the signal fades or whatever. But if you if you get anything at all, it'll show up in there. All right, so I think that's pretty much as deep as we need to dive into QSS TV. Uh, the rest of it should be pretty much easy enough to figure out. And if not, the documentation is excellent. And like I said, a link to the QSS TV documentation will be in the show notes. So I would recommend that everybody go out if they have not tried SS TV at all and give it a shot. It's actually kind of fun, especially if you really get some images. I mean, yeah. you're just sitting there watching static, you know, decode on your computer. It's pretty boring, but yeah, it looks like all the frequencies are in the general portion of the band for uh, at least the general uh, calling frequencies and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, pretty much uh, open to all amateurs uh, that can uh, get on the general portions. Yep, and there's one thing I guess I should point out that I almost forgot, that SSTV, like a lot of other digital modes, is full-duty cycle, so do not leave your rig at maximum power. And also make sure that when you're transmitting that you only set your output level to just below where your ALC kicks in if you have ALC. You you don't want your ALC to interfere with the amplitude of the signals. And no yeah. no DSP too. Yeah, so. that'd be just just like uh yeah, you know, just like any other digital mode. 
turn all that stuff off and make sure your ALC is uh, non-visible. Yep, very important that. And um, I, on my particular rig, I could set the output um, gain to like uh, 17 um, or something like that. And I was running my rig at 25 watts, and that seemed to work pretty well. Again, full duty cycle, you know, don't don't leave your rig cranked up. <laughs> it will burn it up. Mo power, mo power. Q R O Q R O. Right. Well, that's really interesting. I really, uh, I really want to check this out now that <laughs> it's been explained to me. I, I, I've always heard them over the years, you know, especially on the yeah you know, the two thirty two fourteen two uh, two thirty and stuff like that. So uh, I just, I just never took the time to actually set up software to decode. <laughs> but now that I have it, you know, so easily installed here on the on the Linux box, it's. Uh, I, I think I'll give this a try. All right, very cool. So we'll just turn quickly to the chat room, see if anybody else has any comments or questions about slow scan TV or horror stories or anything like that uh, before we move on to our announcements and feedback. So I'll just sit here quietly. <laughs> we'll all sit here quietly. Cheryl's been very quiet. Cheryl's about to fall asleep. So <laughs> What, you're not going to run over there and start doing QSSS TV right now? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm going to run right in there and fall face first in bed, though. So. Uh. There well, you it's, go. It's only 9.30. Well, it's not even 9.30. Yeah, and you're going to be getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, which means I'm going to be up, too. <laughs> yeah, but you get the opportunity to go back to sleep. No, because I have packing to do. Yeah. Yeah, we both have packing to do. All right, so apparently everyone in the chat room fell asleep, too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Boy, we made that the most boring episode ever. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, let's get on announcements and feedback, then. All right, let's do some announcements and feedback. So, are you are you sure you're awake over there? Who? You. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then you can do. I'll do one announcement, then you can do the next one. Okay. Okay, and what uh, Bill's going to do the feedback or comment? Um. Well, he can if he wants. Oh, well, yeah. All right. Whatever. We also have some voicemail. So. Ooh. Yeah. You didn't right. transcribe those. <laughs> uh, normally I do, but I didn't tonight. So. Ah, okay. All right, so coming up, we have a couple of ham fests that we're going to be going to. Well, most likely going to be going to. Uh, those will be the Ors Ham Fest that's right here in our hometown, Mount Vernon, Missouri. That's on March 24th, 2018. I will be giving a presentation on something um, to be determined at that ham fest. It only goes from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on that Saturday. So it's a quick and dirty in and out, you know, buy yourself an antenna or a used rig and then go home. Oh, and also attend my, my seminar. Well, yes, definitely. Uh, and then there's also the Green Country Ham Fest in Claremore, Oklahoma, which is April 13th and 14th. It's from 4 to 9 on Friday and 8 to 3 on Saturday. And we will probably be there in booth CE6. Yep, that's a which fine. is where we were last year. That right? is where we were yep. last year. Yep, exactly. so and that's a good location. We're right next to WB0W. If you've gone to any ham fest, you've probably seen WB0W there before, um, and we will be next to them. And we will be the one booth next to their like eight or whatever it is they take up, or twelve they, or twenty-seven yeah. or something like that. <laughs> they, they take up a lot of space at ham fests. Yeah. So. Uh, is, that, is that a pretty big ham fest there in Green County? N- uh, no, not really. I mean, it's pretty. There's like a hundred, well, hundred to hundred twenty tables. It's uh, like not it's like in a high school gymnasium type thing. It's in a it's okay. in an expo center. Yeah, it's in an expo center. But it's about the size of a high school gymnasium. So it it's yeah, bigger it's than that. Cool. But, Is it? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, I I forget how many vendors they have, but it's like 30, 30 to forty ish vendors. So I mean, it's it's pretty good size. 
that yeah. some of those vendors take up 10 or 12 tables. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. And, I well, mean, you know, they got to fund the ham fest there. So. Right. If you've been to Hamvention, you've seen WB0W as well. They're usually in the North Hall near the exit door. I, you so, said Hamfest. I think you meant Hamvention. Did I say Ham? Yeah, I meant Hamvention. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so which building would they be in now? Uh, WB0W at the new Hamvention? I'm not sure where they were. Were they now. there last year? Did we? I don't remember seeing any of their trucks. Uh, they had to have been there. They're, they're, they're at every Hamfest. That's what they do. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> Well, they're they're actually from them. St. Joseph, Missouri. So, but. so all right, Bill. Awesome. Okay, the- we have a comment on episode two eleven. So this is the one we just did here from uh, Terron uh, KD nine ILI, and uh, they said uh, when studying for the general, I used Gordon West General Class License Study Manual and used uh, the HamStudy.org site to test my knowledge. And this must be uh, good wishes for Cheryl in her venture to general class licensure. Apparently, the book has been ordered for me. Yeah, so. there you go. Not, not that book. I oh, got... not that book. You got a different one. <laughs> no, okay. I got the KB6NU book. Oh, okay. oh yeah, the uh, No-Nonsense Study Guides by KB6NU Dan. Yep, that one. Awesome. Then. So you have a couple of study guides. You have the ARRL. You have the KB6NU. And, of course, you can use hamstudy.org or one of the other sites to uh, test your knowledge. I I actually have, like, four different apps downloaded on my phone. Cool. That I was using last year. We we expect a comprehensive review of that study material. Apparently, (laughs) I'm studying on the way to and from New Hampshire. So So you'll have something to talk about when we get back. Yay. Let's get to these voicemails. All right, let's get to Well, there's only one, but we'll get to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so You can play it twice. There you I, go. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, voicemail. here's our one and only voicemail, which Bill won't hear. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. Like Linux. Love Linux in the ham shack. This is uh, KB9RLW, the old tech guy on YouTube. And uh, I'm a Linux ham myself. Do everything with open source. And I thought you guys were doing good work. And if you ever want to collaborate or do an interview or something, uh, contact me. My email is good on QRZ, KB9RLW, random long wire, 73. All right, there we go. That was uh, from KB9RLW, who is, as he mentioned, the old tech guy on YouTube. So if you want to check out his YouTube channel, you should do that. He has uh, currently about 8,200 subscribers, so he's a fairly popular reviewer and uh, explainer of technological things and amateur radio stuff on the YouTubes. And uh, if we, you know, maybe collaborate on something, we'll let everybody know about it. So since he put forth the offer. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So uh, thanks for the feedback. We're uh, really happy that you tuned into the show and that you like it. I've checked out a few of the videos over on his channel as well and uh, have been enjoying them. So uh, we always enjoy a little bit of cross-pollination here. So, uh, all right. I think that's it. I think we're down to the end. Shall we call it a wrap? Are we podcasting next week or not i don't know stay tuned <laughs> yeah so we may or may not be podcasting next yeah. week. well we won't so. be doing the weekender on thursday because we wouldn't be doing that anyway but um sometime probably on the weekend i'll uh, let everybody know via the social media networks and such whether we're going to be actually doing any recording next week so okay you'll just have to stay tuned for that yeah, you'll be uh, doing that uh, barrel ride, won't you? That, that one over yeah, the yeah, falls. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be <laughs> yeah, doing that, that. That's Russ's job. I'm just going to stand back and take pictures. <laughs> yeah, apparently the uh, falls are all lit up with, like, LED lighting behind them now. So 
we're looking at pictures yesterday. I was like, okay, it's like red and blue and yellow and green. Okay. Well, these are these uh, big lights that they would uh, um, shoot from across the way onto right. the falls, and they would uh, they would rotate colors and stuff like Ooh. that. And it's it's really nice. Yeah, we we were there a few years back, and uh, we we enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. There was oh. some really good uh, strawberry rhubarb pie up, up there as well. Uh, not yeah, a big fan. Yeah, neither of us are a big fan of strawberry rhubarb, so too bad. <laughs> yeah. All right. We also want to thank the people who uh, actively showed up in the chat room tonight, Don KB2YSI, Don KC9ZMY, and Victor Echo 2 Hotel Sierra. We appreciate everybody who uh, joins in and chimes in via the chat. And you can do that, too, and all the information about that will be contained in the outro. So I guess we're going to get on out of here, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk to you next week, or maybe it'll be the week after. I guess we'll we'll see. We'll never know. So. Yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> all right, so I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in the Ham Shack and the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.